Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, SDI's creative director, Matt Whitney, poses a variety of questions to SDI's coordinating council in a special State of SDI gathering, which was recorded during our Renaissance 2021 conference from April of this year. The Coordinating Council, or Board of Directors, is a governing body of Spiritual Directors International. With the role comes fiduciary, visionary, strategic planning, and personnel oversight responsibilities. Council members serve three-year terms, and new members are appointed as members of the council complete their terms of office. If you missed SDI Renaissance, it's not too late. We are offering for sale recordings of all our keynote presentations and our 40 workshops, over 90 hours of video content on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship, available from our website, sdicompanions.org. Recordings are accessible for 120 days after purchase. I'd like to start just by having each of you introduce yourselves, maybe just Tell us your name, tell us where you're located, and, and maybe a sentence about your role or what you do or favorite food or something. Let's start with Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Um, my name is Jenny Isbel Shin. I've been um, in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction for 14 years. Uh, it occurred to me while listening to the New Contemplatives that long ago I was one, um, but I didn't know a name for it. And I am in West Tisbury, Massachusetts. Thanks. Let's go to Eric. Greetings, I'm Eric Masnery. I live here in the tall grass prairies of South Central Kansas, and I work in private practice as a spiritual director, and then also as a chaplain in a, a long-term care center for older adults. Jan Lundy. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Jan Lundy. I am speaking to you from the shining blue-green waters of Northwest Michigan. I've been a spiritual director in primarily private practice for about 20 years. And I'm blessed also to be a formation instructor through the Spiritual Guidance Training Institute. Leslie. Hi everyone, I'm Sister Leslie Keener. I'm a Sister of Divine Providence of Kentucky. Um, I'm a spiritual director and also the director of a little ministry called God's Face. I'm also the vocation director for my community I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks, Leslie. Cynthia is next. Good morning, everyone. I'm Cynthia Bailey Manns. I'm the chair of the Coordinating Council. I'm here in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is about 10 miles from Minneapolis. I serve in private practice as a spiritual director, primarily with clergy on soul care. And I also am faculty in the theology department at St. Catherine's University and coordinate their spiritual direction certificate program. And I'm the adult learning director at a very large Catholic parish here in Minneapolis. Happy to be here. Sean Murphy is next. I am Sean Murphy. I'm here in Taos, New Mexico. And uh, I direct a, the nonprofit Sage Institute, which has a um, interfaith ecumenical meditation leader program for people wanting to learn to lead meditation uh, for others. I'm a Zen teacher in the American white form lineage. I've been a practitioner for about 34 years and 
uh, until Seifu came along, I had uh, some years of being basically SDI's token Buddhist. So now that now there's more of us. <laughs> so Very good. Be here with you all. And I, I teach um, also at University of New Mexico, Taos. Uh, I've been teaching meditation for credit there for about 15 years. So times they are changing. Indeed. Thanks, Sean. Uh, moving on to Miriam. Hi, everybody. I'm Miriam Klotz. Um, I use she, they pronouns, and I'm here um, now just outside of Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. I've been a spiritual director for about 20 years, and I've worked um, primarily both, well, both in private practice and in various rabbinic seminaries and, and with clergy. And I also work as a senior program director for the Institute for Jewish Spirituality. Thanks, Miriam. And Bernie? I'm here in Melbourne. Um, I've been working in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction for over 20 years here with um, my company, Cardia Formation. Um, I just think spiritual direction is one of the most extraordinary gifts that we can give to the communities, and it's a privilege to be here with you all today. Thank you. And Reverend Seifu, go for it. I'm Reverend Seifu. <laughs> And um, I'm the executive director of SDI. I'm based in uh, the greater Seattle area. And I'm a Zen priest, as well as um, uh, leading this nonprofit and a longtime spiritual companion as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for your introductions. We're going to move on to questions. And I have several here. I'm just going to ask them. I may call on you, but if you feel so called to answer, I'll wait for you to just wave your hand at me and, and let you speak. But Cynthia, since you're our board chair, maybe we'll just begin with you, if that's okay. Absolutely. What have you noticed, seen, or experienced emerge in the field of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship this year, particularly in regards to all the pandemics that we are facing, the COVID pandemic, the racism pandemic, the climate crisis, and some of the cultural and political enmity being experienced? Mm. I think what I've noticed the most, particularly in my practice and also in the certificate program, is how to journey with individuals as they simultaneously look at all of those things intersectionality. Loss, grief, pain, suffering, joy, unknowing, all of those individually and collectively have emerged and converged together. And so journeying with others and teaching others as we're all individually going through these, these challenges and collectively going through these challenges is deeply humbling and very hard work. I am mindful that it requires us as people who serve others, who journey with others to take care of ourselves. Myself sitting here right outside of Minneapolis with the death of George Floyd has created all kinds of personal challenges for me and also in my service to others. And it required that I set some really good boundaries and really kick in my own spiritual and contemplative practices to take care of myself so that I do the thing that's most important when I'm journeying with others is do no harm. And so it, it's very intentional and it's very challenging to do that work with myself, yet that's what we ask others to do. So I'm very mindful that I am not doing anything that I am asking others to do and that we're all doing individually and collectively right now. 
Yeah, thank you for noting that we are in this midst as much as we are trying to help others process and navigate it. My next question is, do spiritual directors and spiritual companions need more or different training, different approaches, and how can we more readily refer and partner with medical health professionals? And how do we discern when a need is a spiritual one or a mental health? I can speak to that, Matt, and everyone. It's it's something that's very dear to my heart as uh, people have come this year in so many states of heightened awareness of loss and grief and trauma, much of it unprocessed, I would say safely, also because we're in the middle of something here. We're not on the other side of these issues. And so there's this deep well of emotion and confusion but I think it's so important for us as spiritual directors, guides, companions to have the kind of training that helps us identify when people are in those states. So for example, I, I took an all day, the role of the spiritual director in trauma a couple of years ago with the Adrian Dominican sisters. And it was amazing because she made very clear, I'm not a therapist. And so my job is not to actively do deep inner work with someone who's experiencing trauma, but to know what the signs of trauma are. There's language to use and not use. There is presence to hold. And so that was eye-opening for me because as spiritual companions, sometimes I think we are invited into that role by the people we sit with, possibly, but we have to be able to separate our skill set and defer to someone who might be more skilled in that area than we are. So I think it's very important that we have the training to be able to identify what someone's working with and then refer. And so I, I think it's so valuable for us to have a list of people that we can refer to, people that know what we do as spiritual directors, guides, and, and we can work back and forth if we need to. Um, but that we uh, have resources and don't hesitate to send um, lovingly one of the people that we companion to the real expert in the field for the companionship that they need on a deeper level for deeper healing in their journey to wholeness. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I, I really resonate with what Jan's saying. You know, I think the first part of your question, I think we as spiritual directors, companions always have need for ongoing growth and education in multiple areas, we've never arrived. And part of that education I find is to, to network with, to create connections in my community with healers, care providers, with different modalities, including mental health care, physicians, naturopaths, others, so that when things do arise in spiritual direction, I have kind of that group of people I can, can expand that circle for the person. And I guess one other thought I have is from my experience, you know, referral doesn't mean that I kind of um, wash my hands of, of that issue with this person, but that that still belongs in our conversation, but held in a different way and hopefully held then together with other healers, other people we've referred to and expanded the circle to, if that makes sense. Spiritual direction allows for a particular sacred way of holding, whatever it may be. So beautiful and thoughtful. Thank you both. There's a more general question. Where is SDI going? as a spiritual direction and spiritual companionship community. Are you noticing any trends right now for this organization? Well, I think this conference was a great 
petri dish in in many ways. Obviously, we have, as I said, 6,700 members, so 5,000 or more of us were not at this conference. But based on what we've been seeing here and what we've been hearing, it's clear to me that, as Cynthia was mentioning, the age of these pandemics, there's a greater need for spiritual directors, spiritual companions than I can recall in recent memory. And also that we're being called to respond to what's going on in our world, what's going on in terms of the multiple pandemics that we've all been referencing, that we're being called to forms of social engagement and social action in ways that comport with our own temperaments and our own abilities and our own inclinations. And, you know, many of us in this this community are introverts and So we're not storming the ramparts. We're not demonstrating on the streets. We're engaging in one-to-one spiritual direction or spiritual companionship. We're supporting our communities. We're supporting each other in unique ways that are congruent with who we are. So there's lots of ways to do social engagement. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And I can see personally, and perhaps other members of this council as well, that that is a very powerful call right now and has been for the last year. This need for this calling to respond to the suffering of the world, to the suffering of so so many people who are looking for that deeper meaning that we can help facilitate. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that... um One of the things that I am deeply mindful of, particularly with the people I sit with and with our certificate program with primarily Protestant clergy, is they're all trying to figure out how to help their congregations, how to help their students, how to help people in their lives, how to help people in their practice become engaged in social engagement and activism. And so I'm this summer, I'm spending time rewriting our curriculum to make sure that we have enough of that included in our program. And one of the great definitions I found for sacred activism is by the mystical teacher, Andrew Harvey, who says, sacred activism is the merging of the passion of the mystic, which is a love for God, the sacred, and the passion for the activist, which is the love for justice. When these two rivers of passion merge, access to tremendous spiritual power becomes available, and there can be a birthing of a new humanity. Activism becomes compassionate, loving, and fierce when guided by wisdom, and spirituality becomes embodied and engaged expressions of love in every moment. I think that part of my responsibility is to ensure that as I'm teaching and as I'm serving as a spiritual director and as I'm serving with SDI, is that I'm mindful to help my students, to help those I engage with, to look at contemplation and contemplative action, which is the going inward. So then we can be the activists and go outward to serve because we're spiritually grounded. And I think that's where SDI is going. Yeah, that's beautiful. And certainly something, you know, the question of how we engage is common, but I think the perhaps the expressions of that are as many people as are here. And maybe somebody noted this, but next year's theme for our conference is going to be social justice, social engagement, and social action. Mm -hmm. 
and its nexus with spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. And we'll be exploring that and asking these questions throughout mm-hmm. the year leading up to Santa Fe. What wisdom have we gleaned over these days together virtually? I'm thinking in particular of the information our friends at the Betzer Institute presented and the wisdom of our new contemplatives and our BIPOC gathering, our LGBTQIA gathering. What are we learning? What's emerging today? Go ahead, Jenny. That last piece of question you asked, what's emerging today? Well, I am. I feel like um, (laughs) one of the things about those presentations was that they reflected one another. The new contemplatives were speaking experientially of what the um, Fetzer Institute and the IUPUI study was laying out like a map. And the reason I say I'm emerging is because I uh, work a lot with Christian clergy and people discerning a call to a leading. And so I have a little tiny piece of that map that I travel as a practitioner, but it's like I stick my nose out or periscope up and look around at the landscape of spiritual life and how in my uh, sense of things, God is like water or wind changing that landscape and things are growing and rising outside of my area of practice, but very much within the profession that SDI cares for and tends to. And so there's a tension for me as a less than a year um, council member to uh, continue emerging out of my denominational seat and my practitioner seat into care of the field of ministry, care of this profession. So I feel like getting those constant inputs, both the narrative inputs of the new contemplatives talking about what it's like, where they are in the practice doing the work, and then the statistics saying, yep, that's how it's happening. And particularly things that grabbed me were like, more people pray than I would have imagined. I feel like sometimes I'm in a place where people don't want to pray and they don't want to pray together or pray out loud. So to see that so many people pray, it's like, wow. And uh, the number of people who claim a tradition but do not participate in the old ways with that tradition, it just gives me hope that if I'm looking over there, I may be missing the life that's emerging where I'm not looking. So it's great to pause and shoot up the periscope to uh, be a little more present to my profession as a practitioner and now as a, a steward on behalf of the profession as I am working with SDI. Thank you. I've not heard that term, shoot up the periscope, but I love it. I'm going to use it. Anybody else? Leslie? Thanks for framing it that way, Jenny. I never really thought about putting what the new contemplative shared and the Fetzer presentation together that way. And I guess what I heard was the emerging of a lot of different ways of practicing spirituality and different expressions of spirituality and a wonderful diversity of those things, but also a call to be grounded in genuine spirituality and not to be sidetracked by some of the things that I think our secular cultures, the variety of them can really couch secularism in things that might look spiritual, but are really like quick fixes that aren't genuine and don't really lead anywhere. They don't deepen us. I think we all know that there's really no quick fixes to the things in life that are hard. It is about grounding and opening. And so I really appreciated those perspectives and they they resonated with me as a spiritual person, but also with some of the directees that I meet with that are a wonderful mix of like 
maintaining some traditions, but also opening to new ways and just new ways of looking at older traditions. And I think there is space for all of those things. Yeah, I hope so. We try. Bernie, I, you had your hand up a couple of times. Bless you from tuning in. The three uh -huh. Thanks, Matt. I just, I wanted to say that for the 20 years I've been practicing as a spiritual director, I've been so aware that we are in this massive time of change and our institutions are breaking down, our political systems are breaking down, our financial systems, I don't, everything seems to be breaking down and COVID's just shot us ahead so much this last 12 months. And what I really appreciated was listening to Adam and Mirabai really give us some concrete expression of how that's shaping our spiritual and religious world and it's really encouraging to think that we can hold on to our tradition and still move into the future with some confidence with new ways of looking so there's something about being able to stand in the crevice you know in the middle of the crack and just watch and wait what emerges and to be in a community of people that can do that together is such a blessing so I just want to say this conference has really helped me to feel solid in standing in the space that's being created. Thanks, Bernie. Sean, go ahead. I was inspired to look up Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen Vietnamese monk's precepts of his order of interbeing, which is uh, an order of engaged Buddhism. And uh, he's got one of his precepts speak really well to this. And just remembering he's the holder of a 2,500-year-old lineage. So he's holding both of these, both sides of the coin. One of his precepts is, do not think the knowledge you presently possess is changeless, absolute truth. Avoid being narrow-minded and bound to present views. Learn and practice non-attachment from views in order to be open to receive others' viewpoints. Truth is found in life and not merely in conceptual knowledge. Be ready to learn throughout your entire life and to observe reality in yourself and in the world at all times. Beautiful. Thanks. Jan, you had your hand up? One of the things I was really struck by during the conference, and I do think this is the deep wisdom that's being shown to us by our leadership, that there were prophets among us. We heard prophecy. And I can say that every single one of our keynoters was a prophet. So calling us to something greater, perhaps, than we have ever imagined ourselves to be and to do for these times. That touched me deeply. And it's more than the call to activism. It is the call to deepen. It is the call for me to meet people where they are, whether it's at the bedside of you know, my mother who's passing away or a person who's afraid to meet but wants to meet in purpose so we walk, to find ways to challenge ourselves and invite ourselves to be present in maybe completely new ways and maybe even uncomfortable ways so that we are answering the call of, of this prophetic leadership that's come together. It feels like a very big call, but I love it. And I feel exhilarated by it and by what's been offered here to us this week. So thank you. Thank you. So Reverend Seifu and I earlier spoke to the demographic makeup of the SDI community. 
as a council, what does that say about us? Who is the SDI community? If you have any comments on it, makeup or anything really having to do with that. I can jump in and wondered in particular what Miriam might be thinking about this. This is also a piggyback on, on the last question. I think what we have is a, in this growing diversity is what we refer to as the messy public square of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. When you have so many people in the mix with lots of different perspectives, lots of different views, lots of different beliefs, many quite strongly held, things can get messy. Things can get uncomfortable. This is a learning community. This is, this is what we are. This is what we do. This is what we do in one-on-one -on -one spiritual companionship and spiritual direction as well, is struggle with these things, honestly, forthrightly as a family with respect. And so I think that's that's a hallmark that I see of the growing complexity of SDI around all of these engagements with each other now that we're no longer a monolithic group as we used to be mostly in the past. We're far more diverse and that is enriching and beautiful in many ways and a challenging opportunity in others. And my sense is that we're going to have a lot of work to do in that area. But I wanted to ask Miriam what you thought about that. Mm, thank you, Seifu. Well, my sense is just to echo what I think you said and others have said around the diversity that I suppose is growing, but I also sense has in some ways always been here, just not named in a visible way. And I can speak for one example this week, we decided to hold an LGBTQ space, as was mentioned earlier, didn't know if many people, if there would be a need, if people would be drawn, but there were over 60 or I guess close to 70 people who went to the effort of emailing to get the special link that you had to get to attend the, the session. And then over half of that number who actually did come, and it was yesterday afternoon, we all know the Saturday afternoon, we've been at this for several days and it's a lot of computer time and whatnot, but still it was a robust gathering. And what I heard expressed, well, first of all, there was a lot of diversity. There were Jews, there were folks from various Christian traditions from no tradition, as far as I'm aware, they identified. And there was a great diversity among self-definition in terms of that umbrella, LGBTQIA+. And my sense was underneath the labels and all of that diversity, that there was a common desire to see and be seen in the truth of who we are and the fullness of who we are. And issues about representation arose, like, wow, how healing it could be to listen to a person offering a plenary, for example, you know, a, a prophetic talk, as you acknowledge, Jan, like, you know, really bringing, you know, strong medicine, who happened to embody, you know, somebody who was LGBTQ, whether or not that was spoken about. Another issue was finding each other as community, people who offer spiritual direction or companionship, who happen to be not in the heteronormative categories and experience the oppression of living in heteronormative generic culture and what that does to shape and craft our spiritual lives in particular ways that we can find support with each other and be of support for seekers, people who come for spiritual guidance or companionship or directees when that level of resonance can be there in order to establish enough safety 
you know, safe, sacred space to dare to enter it into brave space together. And I sense that that is happening in various ways in the BIPOC communities and so many other communities in this constellation of 5,000-ish people. And my hope is that it will keep growing in terms of the, the phrase that's often used these days, centering the margins, allowing those who are here with us, who are us, and yet we've been quieter or assumed to be the other that a speaker is speaking about, but yet we're us. So who is other? We're all us. So that's some of the evolution I see and sense and hope for and um, also affirm is I feel like it's happening. Yeah, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Cynthia, go ahead. Yeah, and I also see this as a time, too, for us to pay attention to who we call the younger people coming into the profession. There's so many of our training programs and formation programs have age limits. So I think this is a time that really invites us to look at what we consider the wisdom of someone coming into a program and that that can't be a 25 year old. They have to have more life experience. I think we're challenged to rethink that and to start to see them really as the teachers that they are. Sean, go ahead. Yeah, if I could just weigh in on that. That was a conversation we've been having recently with the coordinating council that the demographic of membership at SDI doesn't necessarily reflect those younger people. And in my uh, meditation leader program through the my Sage Institute, we're a relatively small program. We had 14 people in our current cohort this year. But for the first time, more than half of them were under 40, more than half, which kind of amazed me. We had a couple of people who were 25 who are learning to be meditation leaders. And because of my work teaching meditation at the university, I see a lot of interest in young people in mindfulness and meditation. And I'd really like to somehow create a, I mean, I salute SDI for the new contemplatives program. And uh, that's a visionary program that's existed now for years. And yet somehow we need to create a pathway for people to see in the under 40s that joining an organization like this could help reduce the suffering and help to help people engage in social action in part without burning out. That's one of the big problems, isn't it? That young people get involved in social action and burn out. And I think sometimes young people, because they are often so disillusioned with the organized religion, they don't necessarily see how much of a support and balm for their pain exists in the spiritual traditions. And that's one thing I see in my work with the university students when they kind of connect that they're not just coming to a meditation class because it'll help them chill out. When they get the big ramifications of that, that here's a lifelong path that can reduce not only your suffering, but that of everyone you touch, the possibilities become big and they get interested. Yeah, I wanna piggyback on that in terms of reducing suffering because We've been talking a lot about this public square and these different communities emerging and the messiness of that. Not just that these communities emerge, but they, the term used was cross-pollinates. And there is a lot of discomfort sometimes. <laughs> I think a lot of us have experienced that either ourselves or we've seen it in others. What do you recommend as a posture or hopefully a an opportunity to learn amidst that discomfort. 
In other words, how can we sit with that and be present and not run away? Maybe this is some question. Eric, you have to think about. Well, I, I find for myself just doing an, an inner posture of curiosity as much as I can maintain it. We've been talking about the new contemplatives. I think in the last few conferences, it's often been a place in those conversations that I have felt myself challenged. And there have been moments in those conversations I think, whoa, and pause, and I, something catches in me. And so if I stay curious, it happened many times in this conference with various keynote speakers, and to just to pause and say, hmm, where's that coming from? You, know, you and I talked about that before, Matt, about curiosity. I think it's a powerful tool as we're encountering something that really unsettles, disorients. There's messiness that can be an obstacle, but there's often messiness that's really rich soil for growing and, and seeding and, and germinating in. And I, I'm feeling a lot of really good messiness at SDI right now. Thank you. Reverend Seifu, you had your hand up as well. I want to echo what Eric just said. I think, you know, when there's discomfort, that's an invitation. You know, most of us pull away from discomfort. We pull away from things that make us uncomfortable. And we can train ourselves to lean into it instead. If we're uncomfortable, there's a reason for that. And it's something to move into rather than to move away from is, is my experience. And it's always beneficial when we lean into, and I, obviously none of us like conflict, right? So I'm not saying go to battle, but I'm saying lean into your discomfort because it, it's very often in my experience, when you lean into it, it pops like a balloon mm-hmm. and it opens up a whole, whole set of new vistas. So I think that's what we have to do as a community. So yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the great things about my spiritual director, I'm I'm thinking about her now, is that she sits with me in the I don't know and helps me get really comfortable with that and to get comfortable in the liminal space of what was, what is, and what is yet to be, and to know that there is also freedom in that space. And so how do we help others do the same thing? And that's part of the messiness I think we're feeling now is how to journey together to create this beloved community and honor our own challenges, honor the challenges of each other and still hold each other sacred. Thank you. Yes, let us all hold each other sacred. You know, we just have a few minutes left. How is SDI doing in regards to being a safe and open place for everybody? Is there more that we can do? Is there a vision for that? I think we need to do an inclusion and diversity assessment of the organization. I think that's one of the things we need to do. And that will help us also discern what policies and procedures we need to put into place, not just to help us be inclusive and diverse, but help us to make sure that we are anti-oppression. I agree with that. And I also think that we need to do a structural analysis, but I also think we, I'm going to sound a little poetic here, but we also need to open our hearts. And that is also something that can be practiced. You know, we we just have to, we're just talking about leaning into discomfort, but leaning into Conflict management, conflict resolution, dialogue, tools, we all need to, I need to, I think we, most of us could benefit from enhancing our training around these issues. And 
what does it mean? I, I see so many people fearful to engage because they don't want to say the wrong thing or be perceived in a way that's unflattering or that they feel diminishes them. And I think that we need to create tools as a community so that we can all engage with things that we don't necessarily shouldn't be expected to know automatically, right? I mean, we're all products of our upbringings and our environments. And so we all need tools to grow. And I think uh, SDI has a, an important role to play in providing those for the community. Yeah. Thank you. I know we're at our time. I have one more softball question. Cynthia mentioned self-care in her first comments. What are you all going to do over the next few days? And you can just popcorn and answer this. Sleep. <laughs> Schedule about five appointments tomorrow that I have to sleep. <laughs> Reschedule rather. Yes, I did do a very good job of planning. I'm going to go out in the sunshine and work in the yard and play with my nieces. I'm going to do some Lego building with my six-year-old who's been missing me this week. <laughs> Long walks with my dog and my wife. I was just going to say also uh, long walks with a little dog. And um, you mentioned softball. Uh, my son is, is uh, 19 and he's an umpire with our community baseball league. And um, so I'm going to hopefully get to a game or two of his that he's umpiring. Wonderful. Sounds fun. Jan? Yeah, I'm walking, walking, touching trees, touching flowers, feeling my feet on the earth. But I will say too that I had a strange experience in the middle of the night, a call to take up my journal and maybe start writing some poetry, which I've never done. So maybe I've been inspired by people like Eric and his haiku and, and uh, so many people that express creative ways to connect with the divine. So kind of feeling that new opening, which is surprising and wonderful. Some yoga practice. Yeah, get some of the kinks out of the body from sitting around. Yeah. Well, this conference is a lot of work for everybody, you know, is a lot to take in. I know being a council member is a lot of work. And I just want to thank all of you for your service and your passion for spiritual direction and spiritual companionship and your stewardship of this community. It's just a blessing to be with all of you and to, to know that we are faithfully led. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.